1 Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Recovery. I'm one of your hosts, Sarah Heath, and the other host is Justin Gentry. And Recovery is a podcast really for anyone who's gone through any sort of transition with how they uh, live with the church, whether it was that you were formerly a reverend, or maybe you were really involved in volunteering, or maybe you grew up in fundamentalism and you've shifted, whatever it might be, this is the place for you. And today, friends, we have a incredible episode. We got to interview the incredible Kevin Garcia. If you don't know who Kevin Garcia is, they are a spiritual recovery coach, a mystical theologian, a practitioner, an author, a speaker, and they help folks find the practices that change their life. The conversation goes all over the place because, well, it's the three of us and we've been friends for a while, but it truly, I hope, um, gives you some sense that if you are in the middle of a shift, it's a great place to be. Uh, we really talk a lot about Kevin's new book that's coming out called Bloom, which is really about sort of finding the practices that help us bloom right where we are. So enjoy the conversation and thank you so much for joining us for another episode. Friends, we are so excited. Uh, as we introduced earlier, we are doing an episode with one of our dear friends, and you're hearing us giggle because we we're going to do a show with our, the our immature, out of control, and not <laughs> professional at all. <laughs> the Kevin, just a little Garcia, uh, who is an incredible person. I'll do an intro uh, to intro you before this, but Kevin, you have a new book coming out. But we want to start with the spicy question that we ask everyone at the start of the show. I love spicy. Which is? I really do love spicy. How long Sorry. were you in for, meaning ministry or something adjacent? And <sighs> uh, and then the next question, which you're never supposed to ask a two-part question, but so you get to tell us how long you were in for and kind of what made you go into it. Yeah. It's sort of the prison so, questions. It's like day one in prison. Yeah. You've done the time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let's see. I mean, can I say for like the first like 25 years of my life, yeah. if I'm being quite honest, yeah. because mm -hmm. my mom was the worship pastor and my uncle was the pastor and we were at church like five nights a week. And I like I as a child was voluntold to do so much like manual labor around the church. So, you know, just forever. When I would say that I was professionally and or like a like professional volunteer level mm -hmm. and like professional volunteer, once I hit college, mm -hmm. kind of fell into a Pentecostal cult for a little bit. And I was giving like so many hours per week. And I was also a youth leader. I was a worship leader. I was a campus representative for us because we were really close to my schools, like less than a mile away from the church. And then I was a missionary after I graduated and <laughs> went around the world. Um, and I... In the most amazing of races. Oh, it's, it, listen, everyone calls it the amazing race, but it's actually, it's amazing, the amazingly terrible race. <laughs> um, uh, the world race with adventures and missions. If you've ever heard of it, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have heard, yes. Yeah, but I did that, and then I ended up working for them, doing their um, air quotes uh, apprenticeship program, which, like, looking back on it now, I'm just like, it was the epitome of let us get the most underqualified, mediocre <laughs> white men to teach <laughs> us and apprentice us mm. in all of these different ways. Like, I was in a, a writing track where they were teaching us how to write a book. The guy who was running it did not actually he had not written or published a book himself oh tell me like and like none of us was like oh no but he's ordained by god he's he's the the ceo's or like lead person but he was the ceo the ceo's daughter's husband 
That's why he got the job. <laughs> That's Anyways. his qualification. Well, and 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 he had a penis. That was the <clears throat> yeah. That was the yeah. Qualification. Yeah. 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 Big big deal. So I um I would say I was like I would hard time probably six years of like professional volunteerism. And by that, I mean, I was using my professional skills as a musician and as a lay person to execute multiple programs for the church mm-hmm. and not getting paid for it, obviously. And then um, two years of missionary bullshit. And that's <laughs> when everything kind of cracked. Yeah. What mm-hmm. was part two? Part two again was kind of why do you think you got into that? Like, why do you think, you know, as oh. teeny tiny and, you know. Because I, I mean, I grew up Southern Baptist, like evangelical Southern Baptist. And so, and I was also very pious because like, even from a young age, I always felt like this like connection to spirit and connection to God. And so at nine years old, I marched my ass down the aisle at Jesus camp and gave my life, (laughs) gave my whole laugh. And I think it's really funny. Like Jesus, like later in life was just like, bro, too much. I didn't didn't, didn't ask for all that. (laughs) Too much. I asked you to feed people. That's what I wanted you to do, but go off. <laughs> um, but I think it was um, getting distance from meeting different people around the world, like as a missionary. Like I was staying in a hostel on New Year's Eve and I met some of the most interesting people. And they just asked some questions that made me question some things. And those questions made me feel really insecure. And so I got drunk as a missionary. <gasps> and ooh, baby, baby, the way that I was making out with a boy. <laughs> Um, who was in, in the hospital? He he was British and he drove a, a motorcycle. Ooh. And then the next I mean, day, I I told yeah. him said I said, "Hey, sorry for like going too far." He's like, "I, I didn't mind." And there was ha- there was a part of me that was like, "Get on the back of his motorcycle and go. Get on the motorcycle. <laughs> like, get your stuff and go with him. Leave right now." Oh my god, I love this Hallmark movie. And mm-hmm. I didn't. He drove away, and I spiraled <laughs> um, because I'm just like I feel romantic feelings that i shouldn't feel and yet i know that they're not wrong and yet here i am but then why are they so wrong mm-hmm. you know who decided who decided mm-hmm. these things and then i started picking apart i'm just like why is it that we believe that the catholics got it but also pentecostals got it but also the lutherans have got it i'm just like they all think that the other one doesn't got it yeah i'm just like so yeah. either one of them is correct or maybe none of them have the full story mm-hmm. and yeah. that is why I got into it, I was pious from a young age and queer, like closeted queer. So like the way for me to offset that, my gayness was obviously to surround myself with people and things that would never give me the opportunity to sin. Mm. That's what they taught you in ex-gay therapy. It would never give you an opportunity to sin. Yeah. So like if I'm surrounding myself with all straight men at the church, there's no possibility of me ever fucking, you know? <laughs> No possibility of me ever. Unless another ex-gay man also like has that same strategy. Thing is, in ex-gay <laughs> circles, you're not you? al- in ex-gay circles, especially exodus groups. You're not allowed to hang out with each other outside the group. Nuh-uh. They treat it like a sobriety thing. Yeah. And, you're not supposed. And when to I talk say ex-gay, it. I mean air quotes ex-gay. I, it's never yeah, 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 that's yeah. not a thing. Um, but yeah, it's like if we're if if everyone in ex-gay club isn't allowed to say that they're an ex-gay <laughs> club. I could imagine a scenario in which. There are a lot of ex-gay dudes thinking they're around straight dudes, but it's really all mm-hmm. the same. <laughs> yep. And that's the thing. Hey, is like I imagine you found each other. Oh, yeah. Afterwards, there's not a single person who was in the program I was in back in the day who still identifies as an ex-gay. We're all ex-ex-gays now. Ex-ex-gays? <laughs> yeah. Got to double it down. Double X. I'm a double X. Oh, I'm a double ex-gay. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, okay. Extra, extra gay. So you... <laughs> obviously had to stray away from that uh, in order to sort of maintain yourself. How did you create this lovely little, as you would say, delicious uh, world that you have created of delicious. Um, creating content for people, but also just sort of being a, a spiritual coach? Because we want to talk, we brought you on to talk about a couple of things. One of them was you have created this interesting, I would say, ministry I'm just going to use ministry in quotations, but it is uh, for people online. Isn't that annoying? Uh-huh. There's no other, there's not another good word for it. Yeah. Uh, but then also you are writing books that uh, you're actually writing books. Maybe you should go back and teach. 
No. <laughs> Teach where? With their uh, would, the adventures. The adventures, adventures and missions. <laughs> oh, actually, you know, let me call you. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm an adventures alum, and I actually can teach people how to write, actually how to get a publishing gig, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I could. You could. Yeah. And maybe you'll sure. find that British well, man, and then you'll get you on his motorcycle because he's been, been driving around looking and for I you. I would walk five hundred <laughs> miles. Right. I won't sing the rest in case we get copyright marks. <laughs> um. <laughs> No, uh, so what? what is the question? Sorry, no. yeah, the question was, oh gosh, our three ADHDs, powers combined. It's fine. Um, yeah. the th- so tell us about Motorcycle <laughs> Tell us about him again. We liked him. <laughs> uh, how did you start? Because you knew that you needed this community and you created this mm-hmm. incredible online community in some ways. I mean, when I met you, you definitely didn't have so many people who just love your work and are engaged in your work. You want to talk a little bit about how you decided to sort of become a, a public Former, former public theologian. Yeah, how did you get there? Person on the internet. I knew that I, from a young age, I knew that I would be working with people, and I thought that meant being a pastor Mm. in the like traditional sense of the word, like being a parish pastor. And so that's what I was pursuing at first, especially after I had come out and I had done queer Christian advocacy work with an organization that kind of went tits up um, because of racism. You know, classic. And um, we, I, I ended up going to Columbia Theological Seminary, started off in the MDiv program because I'm just like, I'm going to get my MDiv, I'm going to get my education, and I'm going to go be a pastor somewhere, and I'm going to be successful. And then as I'm in seminary, I realize I, this has nothing to do with the real world. Mm. What we are doing here in most of these classes has absolutely nothing to do with what my friends are talking about and experiencing and going through. Uh-huh. We are talking like mostly about how do we talk about how do we teach about this book and how have other people taught about it for all these different things and we're never taught how to have a relationship with God. Right. And we're never taught how do I deal with my suffering? How do I grieve? How do I lead other people through grief? Like nothing. Like it was you know and like granted like that's how the seminary system is kind of set up is is to create we had classes public speakers. It. Yeah, ooh, that's yeah. fair. We had a lot of classes. I took I decided to take a lot of like pastoral care and counseling courses, but that was something that I had to take and I had to not take other classes in order to take it. So it was like very elective. So it was entirely mm-hmm. impo- like t- entirely possible that you could get all the way through my divinity school get an MDiv and you've never been taught how to deal with someone who's sitting in front of you after a serious mm. grief. Yeah. yeah. That's that, not true anymore. They like, do have to take it now. Yeah. In many places. And it's also like not actually talking about, I mean, they, they talked about it in school, how it's just like, you know, right around when I was graduating, uh, I think like the, the term, the, um, the great resignation was happening oh, or beginning. Yeah, that's around, true. That's that's how this podcast started. Right, we greatly yeah. resonated. And there's all the, <laughs> yes, yeah, and then like it was the, like from like day one in seminary, I was like, okay, the church as we know it is dying. How are you going to save it? And we're all like, that's literally a question what? in our ordination papers. It literally, it literally <laughs> says as, and it gives statistics. So imagine you're writing your ordination papers, and it's like, as we know, based on these pew statistics, the church in America is dying. What are you going to do to change that? And my friend who is sassy britches, who n- ended up never getting ordained in the Methodist church wrote, I didn't cause the problem. So I'm probably not going to be the one to fix it. <laughs> and I, that's, that's and one I of the better oop. answers for sure. Like <laughs> yes. I can save this church, but not the church. <laughs> oh. like, that's, that's the thing. Like, like we, like you, you get this like responsibility for all of it. And it's like, Hey, well, I'm one person at one place. Right. Like I can try to keep this church from dying. I might succeed. That's, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a big F too. Like, mm-hmm. but I'm responsible for all of the church. Like, no, 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 I don't, don't put that on me. And like, I was actually just talking with someone about this, like in, in my undergrad and, and even a little bit into grad school, like it, it was like the call is for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Like if you walk away, like, you know, you're walking away from God. That's so like, you better, you know, and so it's like, like, and they treated it almost like a marriage. Like you, when you, when you graduate, like you are married to God, someone, your career, vocation, all this, you know. I forgot that and someone this week asked me how my Nineveh time is going. My oh, Nineveh God. time? <laughs> like, 
I mean, I'm, that sounds like that a mean? good time. <laughs> because, like, well, yeah, wait. That could mean a lot of things, actually. <laughs> then, like, what? <laughs> 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 I, just, I hate Christian I'm, so much. I know. Like, yeah, meaning. First I fucking off, hate y'all. Like, like, like okay, I'm sorry. I have questions. Can you? I like, think what they meant by it was it's not accurate that I walked away from the call, you know, and he didn't want to go. Like, oh, Jonah not wanting to go Nineveh. to Nineveh. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it, but you're Nineveh. Like you're the. Are you? Yeah, the that's are you Nineveh? Are you in the city? And God is oh, calling maybe it was you. Like, maybe the way they asked it was more like, "How is avoiding Nineveh going for you, or whatever, something oh, like that." Oh uh, well, yeah. Well, fuck you too. That's what I would say. <laughs> How's avoiding Nineveh? I'm just like, it's fucking dope. And guess what? I didn't get on yeah. a boat either. Yeah, I avoided yeah. the trick. I read the story, just, and I'm not yeah. going to get eaten by a fish. If I, as long as I avoid water, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, Golden. Looping back, um, the way I kind of got started in this work is I knew that like the practices I was finding while I was in seminary, like I I went hard into my yoga practice. Mm. I was reading different religious texts other than the Bible. Like I only read the Bible for assignments. Like I didn't read it for like devotion or or pleasure. Funny enough, now though I'm rereading the Gospels right now, and I'm like, look at that face. <laughs> You're I'm into just, it. I'm, a little bit. I'm currently in the middle of the Gospel of Thomas and like oh. hey, sitting with some of that shit. It's delicious. Yeah, Anyways. It's good. I started talking with people. I'm just like, like, what what should I do? How should I do? I'm like, okay, well, like, let me just start showing people how to do this. And then when it started working, I was thinking, okay, well, how can I need to get paid somehow? Mm-hmm. And I know that coaching is a thing. How can I do it in a way that is ethical? How can I do it in a way that is still accessible? And started working with somebody who taught me how to like a value myself, how to make my life into a single life. And then uh, thankfully, since I graduated from div school with my master's of arts in practical theology, I have been able between selling my, my books and doing coaching with people, I've been able to like live. And that's been really, really nice. Now, granted, I'm so far behind on my taxes. It's not even fucking funny. Like, are like, you like Willie they, Nelson behind with your taxes, or I'm not Willie Nelson behind with my taxes. I'm. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, that's fine. I don't talk about my taxes. <laughs> don't talk y'all. about it. That's fine. Uh, because God will provide, right? <laughs> and plus, yep. that means that I'm not currently. That means I haven't been funding a genocide. So yeah, currently, good for you. My hand, your ha- yeah, hands are clean. Um, hands yeah, are clean. Um, uh, free Palestine. Anyways, I. I beside I decided to just there was still a time I was kind of like dedicated to the church, but I wasn't dedicated to other people being Christians. Mm-hmm. And then I would decide I'm like, what's the point? Like that's that's kind of the thing is like these local congregations that I even if I like went and visited and show up, even if it's filled with cool, progressive, awesome people, I realize I'm just like this isn't doing it for me either because it's not for me. It's not expansive enough. Like you guys are talking about one version of Jesus or one side of it, and it's the same old side and is boring as fuck. <laughs> it is not yeah. get, like like what does this have to do with getting free? Mm. What does this have to do with feeling peace, with cultivating joy, with mutual aid among my friends? What does that what is what are we doing here? Yeah, it it the mentality so much, yeah, is like well, if we just talk about this very one-dimensional through the lens of through actually not even a very good lens of Paul. So it's like our lens of Always Paul him. and his lens of Jesus, like it's like a lens of a lens of a lens. Like if we just talk about it, then then that's that will become relevant. And it's mm-hmm. like you're you're solving the problem backwards. Mm-hmm. Like, like right. why don't we figure out like what people are actually going through and and I find like the Bible is like, it's like a greatest hits album maybe of like, but it's like, sometimes you have to have a deeper cut than that. And you got to have just, a really deep not there. cut. Yeah. It's just not there. And so being able to turn somewhere like I, um, years, I mean, years ago, this is like back when like Sarah and I were in that coaching thing many years ago, I wrote this like little, like not, yeah, oh. not pamphlet booklet. I don't know, whatever. Zine. Um, a zine. zine. <laughs> That was um, basically stop believing and start practicing. Ooh, um, that's it. When I was just like, like that's this whole it. like, you know, we 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 
Yeah, we've made it all about beliefs here and all about like, you know, if you if you have these belief statements and you figure them out, then mm -hmm. then then you're right. And but the problem is, is like that doesn't do anything for anyone. Like, mm -hmm. I believe in God, the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven, earth, da, 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 da. like like you can Does be a terrible person, anything. like an objectively terrible person and and say that statement like it's not and believe know, like, that statement, to be honest, and believe it and believe it with all your heart. And still be awful. And, and and I'll even go a step further. Like someone who is a just genuinely bad person, like arming mm -hmm. them with the beliefs that like you're right, you are yeah. absolutely right, and and everyone else is wrong. Like you just like put like gasoline on a fire of like terribleness, <laughs> and they've not actually changed anybody. So I'm like, we have to like come at it from a different angle. And and the church that says beliefs are first probably just needs to die. And I'm okay with that. Um, in order for a church group of people, community or whatever, of practice Experimental to arise. spiritual community. Yeah, maybe something like that. To arise out of the ashes of whatever that thing is, we would probably be better for it, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Something I talk about in my book Pivot, pivot, because it's <laughs> yeah, about like getting that? into you your like body. That? It is about was, getting into your body. I was, I was bumping, no, setting. Now you're spiking. I love this. Yes, there. Um, there's a section where I quote Abraham Hicks, where Abraham Hicks talks about the anatomy of a belief, and they say a belief is just a thought that you keep having over and over and over again. Mm. So much, and then like I expand upon that and say. So much so that it becomes your entire reality. Yeah. Like you have a thought so much that it colors your entire world. So if I say God is good, but God is also just. God is good, but God is also just. God is good. And I have that going over and over and over. That's my belief. I call that thought that I keep having a belief. And what does it do for me? What does it do to me? What does it do to what me? Do Oof. What does it do in me, through me? How do I react? How do I treat myself? How do I treat other people when I believe the thought, God is good, but God is also just? Mm -hmm. I'm a judgmental bitch. <laughs> I'm not able to love people completely. I make excuses for my poor behavior. Mm. Like the list goes on. Mm -hmm. I treat, you know, I also like chastise myself. I also hurt myself. I also brutalize myself because I think I have to make, I have to, I think I have to layer myself in virtue to make my to to seal the evil in and the reality is it's completely flipped is that if we change the belief to maybe for example god is love and you know that's it if i just hold or you know or i'm a part of god's mind mm. i'm a car I'm, I'm i'm a part of you know love goes with me everywhere i go yeah god is love if and i just so hold that yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so if I just hold on to the, these more helpful thoughts and just ask the question, what does it do for me? That is the beginning of changing your beliefs. I think mm -hmm. hell's real. I have to, hell is a thought. And so you just try it. I was like, hell's not real. Try that thought on. There's no separation from love. Try that thought on instead. What does it do for you? What is it? And that is the, what does it do for you? The beginning. Is one of my favorite questions that you yeah. ask your friends all the time, Kevin. Like, we'll, I will whine to you about something and just like, you're smiling because I did it earlier today. And you will literally say, what is holding on to that doing for you? Mm -hmm. And it, What's that thought doing to you? Yeah. Or doing for you. Know, you. And I, yeah. Nothing good, probably. Probably not. Usually not. And that's the thing. It's like, and we don't need to beat ourselves up for having a thought or a feeling. What we need to do is treat ourselves with, like, realize we need compassion. Mm -hmm. realize that we need to cut ourselves some slack because we live in late capitalism we live if you live in the united states in the most you know egregious and powerful empire the world has ever seen and we feel incredibly helpless and maybe we need to take a deep breath before we like you know shit on ourselves yeah <laughs> maybe the thought hey maybe not all of this you know some of the suffering is absolutely my fault but some of it a lot of it circumstantial we're living if like there are too many of us who are struggling right now and we have no idea how to help ourselves because we've been taught that our feelings and how we see ourselves is unimportant Ooh. and so the work that what we have to do like the work that we have to do 
is in recentering how we feel a little bit. Get in touch with what is going on in this beautiful body of yours, what's going on in that amazing mind, and be fucking real about it. And you, so your book that is coming out is called What Makes You Bloom? And it talks about, you You do a lot of work helping people figure out spiritual practices. And um, I recently heard you speak with some other speakers about this idea that like, if we go back to practices and sort of, it's it's a integration of all things. So it's not just belief. Practices allows us to be in our body and our mind and our soul in a way that's different that I think when you were talking about the um, disappointment, I would use the word disappointment of your church experience. It was really because there was no practice. There was some, Bingo. there was some liturgy. There was some things that were like, we, and there were some practices too. But we don't too. talk about them. We don't talk about them as mm-hmm. practice. We don't talk about, unless you do, like I did when I would do communion, I'd talk about like everything, all senses are being engaged here. How can we do that? Let's get into that. But we don't mm-hmm. always do that. So you want to talk a little bit about what your book is hoping to kind of do in this realm or? Yes. By the end of the book, I want every single person who reads it to be able to begin cultivating a living practice. And what I mean by that is like, what are you going to do every single day that is going to connect you back to love? Mm. And by love, I mean God. And by God, I mean the universe. By the universe, I mean your truest, highest self. I mean peace. Mm-hmm. I mean all of that. And what I do in this book is just like, I want to address like the trauma that many of us are carrying from our spiritual and like fundamentalist upbringings. I want to address the cynicism, the real cynicism we have around like, the idea of spiritual realities. And at the same time, I want to help. I like, I invite us to suspend our um, cynicism for just a little bit. You know, be real about it, bring it in the room with you, but also just don't. Uh, I, I tell people, don't believe anything I tell you, test it out. Mm-hmm. I want you to test everything I tell you, see if it's true for you. Not for me, not for anybody else, but is this true for you? Does this work? Wait. Which which was like the thing that Jesus and even Paul was saying as well. Like mm-hmm. it was like test this stuff out. Like if it if it doesn't if it doesn't work, like then then it then if it's not bearing fruit, if it's not profitable, if it's not a, it doesn't make you feel good in your spirit, then perhaps maybe you should abandon it. Like mm-hmm. and I feel like that's There's a lot that was the invitation the whole time. Was like, don't just take our word for it, you know, taste and mm-hmm. see. Like, and and I find it to be so fascinating that that is so resisted when it's like, that's that's like the whole damn thing. Like, that's the mm-hmm. tradition. Like, yeah. Is this isn't working and let's try to put something forward that does work. Um, and then and then guess what? We get to do it again and again and again. What I'm hoping to is like the uh, every single chapter, funny enough, I'm using the. <laughs> The fruit of the spirit is like my teaching model. Or like part <laughs> I love of the this. Teaching. I love this. Because I, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it one day while walking around and I just felt the spirit of the Lord, maybe. But I had this idea of just like, I think it's the, the, the list is reversed. Like it's not in the right order. Okay. And so I, I went and I went back to him just like, because really like self-control is the thing that we need to go for first. By that, I mean like, how do we do only what we want. Because a lot of time they're just like, oh, I feel like I have to do this. I have to be this way for my mom. I have to be this way because I'm a pastor. I have to do these things. I have to fill these roles. I'm doing everything except for what I want. I have no self-control. What an interesting way to look at self-control. Yes, we think self-control is about deprivation. We think it's about white knuckling. And it's truly, that's not it. Self-control, true, like the truly most measured people are the people who are actually doing what they want to without shame or guilt. And so how do we get to that place? We have to learn to calm the fuck down. <laughs> how, do we, how do we do that? Practice. Yeah. And through practice, through a practice of stillness, through a practice of gentleness, through practices of movement, we're able to tap into the peace that is naturally sitting at the center of who we are. And that piece, I believe, that is who and what we are from where I'm sitting. We keep running. And so I. Go ahead. I was just going to say, we keep running into this thing, uh, particularly with our audience or like when we're meeting with our um, listeners on Discord, with this idea of like, they, they're going to go with you to say, yes, I want to know how I can do what I want. But then how do I know what I want? 
because ding 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 because you don't know who you are yes we grew up with something that told us what we wanted and mm-hmm. part of that then becomes now i don't know any practices to connect me to what i want i was recently hearing about a someone who was making some big life decisions and was gathering a bunch of people with, to like talk through it and my friend said of course they are he grew up evangelical he actually doesn't know how to make decisions without everyone else weighing in. Mm-hmm. And what is frightening is he's, he's allowing himself for the first time to go, okay, actually I think I'm going to, I'm going to do this one on my own guys. I think I, I think I can do this because if we don't ever learn how to, I would say a lot of us that were pastors or grew up in the church, we don't know mm-hmm. what we want. We don't even know how to listen to what we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, that is we got by design. Too. By design, like, yes. We got into ministry too because it was like, well, this is a script that tells me what I want. Yeah. Like this, this mm-hmm. is like, and this is the only way to truly be happy. Yeah. To be oh, happy yeah. in Jesus is to trust and obey. Yeah. Well, we're yeah, we're just going to sit and we're trusting and obeying and 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 I think I I like your approach too because it it I think it highlights a couple things too. It's like one, you will get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think there's so much like yes, like like okay, I'm gonna like figure out what I want. But like, I think you're going to get it wrong for probably six or eight months or longer. And and people will call you selfish. People will call you, you know, like, oh, they've gone off the deep end or whatever. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to hurt your reputation. Like, and that's just step like one. That, like, and, that's what they told <laughs> me when one. I was coming out. What, yeah. what did they tell uh, you? Chap- chapter one is blow it all up in, in, in yeah. a kind way, but you're just going to have to do that. And I think that that's, I think that's, that, that, that is why I think people, why that's why people stay small. That's why people don't step out. Mm -hmm. And because it's like that right there is an incredibly difficult step. And it's one that I feel like we have to make over and over again, as we kind of like deconstruct, if you want to even use that term and, Mm -hmm. and also figure out like, well, what is, what even is, what even am I after this thing? Yeah. A thought I think people also have is like, I need to know what's next before I make the move. And mm. I want to say, uh, I think that to quote, I think this is a Liz Gilbert quote I heard on the podcast, but she said that not this isn't enough reason to to go mm-hmm. to move mm-hmm. on. Yes. Like, what am I going to do? I don't know, but not this. I, what th- job am I going to have? I don't know, but not this. Who's going to love me? I don't know, but not that person. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and That's really at the end of the day, like, you know, who am I going to, who am I going to, what am I going to do? I don't know, but not this. I just know in my person that this is not it. And one of the, Another thing I kind of like tell people to start with is just what would feel like what what feels good? I don't know. Well, what feels fun? What would be fun? Well, I don't know. I'm just like, well, then pick something. What are you interested in? Well, I don't know. I'm like, okay, well, go get a fucking puzzle then. I don't know. Like just do something. Yeah. Like, and I think that through these practices of coming home to our body every single day, not even a whole lot, give, give it five minutes. Like. I think that like you can work yourself up into a 20 minute practice real easy, but like even just five minutes a day can change your fucking life. And that teaches us self control or understanding our wants and motivations. And from there, like we understand that, oh, the whole practice is gentleness itself is to learn to be gentle with myself. Mm. A practice of stillness is a practice of learning to be soft again. Mm. and from there you uh you're faithful to it because it's just like well it's easy to be faithful to what gives me life to what makes me come alive to what makes me bloom (laughs) Mm -hmm. title (laughs) you know and then from there if i'm faithful to something like it's easy for me to is it love joy peace gentleness right generosity generosity sex Uh, oh yeah faithful people i'm just like when you have people around you, like, you know, you're usually like quite generous with what you have. And when you're g- generous, people are, are quite kind. No, it's kindness. Faithful yeah, kindness. people I just are usually up. kind. And kind people are always usually generous. And generous people are usually have some mm-hmm. level of peace and joy and love. It kind of turtles all the way down. But what, like, the thing I'm trying to also like, get us to understand too is not so much like the practices that. Practices are are important in as much as they get you into the presence of peace, but it's not more important than you understanding the reality that you are not separate from love. That's the whole aim. Is your practice the aim is to remove the blocks to the awareness of love's presence? You had Reverend Doctor Jackie do. Lewis write the intro to your or forward, I and I need to find this line. So 
she quotes, this is the rhythm of Kevin's religion sung in the key of the truth that makes them bloom, makes me bloom. Love is the aim. Love is gentle on us. Love gentle toward our people. Love gentle, even towards the stranger. Love fierce enough to be kind to offer fresh starts. Love that can say, nope, I'm not going to make that deadline. Hit the mark, earn the reward. I'm not going to be perfect today. I'm going to be perfectly me where I am, as I am. I'm going to bloom here. What? That's so, I mean, it's a quote she's quoting you, but I love that, that this is this whole idea. Always- Which I'm just like, like when, I, when I read that, I'm just like, I said that? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's yeah. going to pick out our best, it's going to be uh, Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis. What a woman. Oh, what a woman. What a woman. We love her. My, my dad quoted her today. Um, there is just this like loveliness of love being the aim. But I think mm-hmm. what I, if we don't practice, we actually don't love. Here's what I mean by that. Mm. If, if we start with love, which I think is like a really great notion, right? But we don't even know sure. ourselves. How can we love ourselves if we don't know ourselves? So we're only, mm-hmm. what parts of ourselves are we loving? Mm-hmm. And how do we love others if we're incapable of like knowing mm-hmm. ourselves enough to love others? If that makes any sense. So it's like. No, it does. And I, to take it a step further is how am I going to love the parts of myself that I have been conditioned to find despicable or disgusting or the part of myself that I don't love? Mm. And the, the thing is, you cannot teach anybody to love themselves completely if you do not. And I'm not going to say that I'm perfect at it, but goddamn, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I loving yourself. And, and the thing is, like, you don't need to be perfect at it. You just need to get better at it. Yeah. You know? That's the practice part, right? That's the thing, why, reason I love the idea that like yoga is called yoga practice. It's never called like, you know, I, I don't know what you call it. Just yoga. Mastery. It's, or... master, yeah. It's always like, it is. I mean, yoga is, yoga is the process of determining what is going to make you come alive and how to do it magnificently. Well, I love, I remember like that's the um, Adrian, yoga with Adrian um, online. Uh, she's incredible. And she talked one time about one of her clients literally every day would just watch the video and lay on the ground for a year mm-hmm. because she was so out of touch with her body that she was like, I want to be in the presence of people doing yoga, but I can't do yoga right now. So she would just, but she was doing yoga by just laying on the ground yes. with other people. This right now, even this right now, when like, I think it's very in, like, when you do something with mindfulness and presence, mm-hmm. you're doing yoga. When you do any, like that, the yoga is, you know, anytime that you are in the present moment, like, the, I mean, yoga also translates as union. Mm. It's like it's coming into oneness with yourself slash everything. So yoga is obviously one of the practices. What are other practices like you joked around about go do a puzzle. Whenever you say, you always say, do what makes your body feel good, which is my favorite thing. What would you say are yes. other practices that people can sort of think as, a, as an entrance into this idea of doing something for five minutes a day? I mean, I'm always going to be an advocate for just a seated practice. Mm. A lot of people are just like, well, I can't close my eyes and do that. It's like, okay, well then go do a walking meditation. Go walk around and leave your, con- leave your shit behind and just be with your thoughts. Come back to your breath. Because I really like the thing about it is, is that if you're able to control your breath and be mindful of your breath, you can control, like you can direct your thoughts. Mm. If you can direct your breath, you can direct your thoughts. Mastery of one is mastery over the other. Like dead ass. And that's also why in yoga, (laughs) when you're in all these twisted ass positions, they're saying, how's your breath? And you should only do a position that it's not exactly, like if you can't breathe, you're moving too fast. Mm. Uh That's that's the lesson there, (laughs) among other things. Don't move faster than your breath can go. Oh, I love that. So yoga is a part of it. I, the way, what I recommend for people is find a text that inspires you. And that can be everything. If, you are, if you're a Bible reader, read your Bible. If you are a poetry reader, read poetry. I recommend The Essential Rumi or Meditations by Mary Oliver or um, Nikki Giovanni. Young Pueblo. Oh, yeah. Like, Pueblo. I just got, yeah, another one of those books. Yeah. Just find poetry, or if you're like a if you're in if you get, if you're one of the tarot girlies, or you got some oracle cards, use that as a way of what to meditate on. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, and then 
quiet your you know find a mantra of some kind within your writing a line that sticks out to you and use that you know very lectio divina what what stands out to you and then for five minutes just see if you can hold that thought in your mind and so maybe the thought is just like i am filled with love i'm filled with love i am filled with love and you just repeat that over and over for a few minutes and then if it helps you know maybe if you want to focus on the buddha the christ you know the divine feminine mary magdalene mary mother of god you know pick you know pick pick anybody who's calling to you pick something that's part of your lineage if you want and allow yourself just to connect with the stillness and if you don't know how to meditate you can use there use a guided meditation use an app Use something to guide you until you train your mind to do so on your own. There's no fuck. I still use Headspace. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this for years and I teach other people to do this. And when I can't get my mind to shut up, I get someone else to help me. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. There's no shame in it. And then after you meditate, journal a little bit. What came up during the meditation? You know, did like, was it? And at first it might just be, I just sat here for five minutes and I felt awkward. But I promise you, you do this every single day for 21 days and earnestly. You do anything with earnestness, you are guaranteed to find what you're looking for. And if what you're looking for is peace, if what you're looking for is a connection to love, if what you're looking for is a connection to your deepest self, you can find it. How about this? We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about practice. and. All the goodness that comes with that. And what makes you so bloom. Stay tuned. What makes you and bloom. We're gonna yes. also we're gonna tell jokes. <laughs> you know that, did you? Because because jokes will make you bloom. And if your spirituality isn't humorous, what's the point? That is a good um, point. We'll be right back. So we'll be right back. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. And we're back. (laughs) (laughs) So, Kevin, I, this idea of blooming, what does blooming mean to you? Like, is this thrive? Is this thriving? What is blooming? Well, I, um, it's a line. Um, the term what makes you bloom is actually there was a, originally the book was titled Wonder Fully Made, like wonder, comma, fully made, but like it's kind of like hard to like, it just sounds like I'm talking funny. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But um, that's also a concept from the book. But um, I talk about in the book, like, how we're devoted to everything except for what makes us bloom. Mm. Like, because of capitalism, we are devoted to our jobs that don't pay us a fucking living wage. And yet we show up for them and we work two of them in order because we have to fucking stay alive. And we think that we cannot snatch back time for ourselves. And so for me, I'm just like, it is not like to start to take care of ourselves, to cultivate a spirituality that's not just rooted in like, you know, oh, I'm going to go to a spa day, hashtag self-care. But I'm talking about giving a damn about your body Mm -hmm. to the point where it's just like, I'm going to do the simple act of lying down and sleeping. I'm going to do the little act of like, okay, I need to like move because I know it's going to help my body feel good. Or I'm going to go to the doctor and maybe figure out what the fuck is going on because my brain feels like it's broken. Mm-hmm. You know, we're devoted to everything. We're devoted to, and again, we have to recognize this is not our fault. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like we're like, we're, we're trained into, you know, I said this on, on the internet the other day on the TikTok. I learned the Pledge of Allegiance before I got baptized. Mm. And that says everything about the priorities in this country. Mm-hmm. And if you were born in the West, you probably had a similar experience of some kind. 
of where the country is very, very important. Patriotism is very, very important. Let me tell you what. My daddy was military 29 years. My grandfather was a military person. I am not devoted to America at all because you know what they've given me? Loads and loads of debt. They have given me, a, like I live in a, a, in a, where I could get shot mm-hmm. going uh-huh. anywhere. And this is for all of us. You know, like I'm not, I'm not going to be devoted to this thing, but I, you know what I am devoted? I am devoted to people and I'm uh-huh. devoted to, to my, to the loves of my life. I'm devoted to like helping us stay alive. I'm devoted to like, you know, my daily sit down because it helps me stay awake and, so I and can to be bloom. actually involved. Yes. And like the thing about it is, is like when I say bloom, it's just like that's self, for me, it's very self-explanatory. I like just, what it like, like a fucking flower. Yeah. Like, what make like, and what is it? I'm just like, you know, what makes me bloom. Like the thing about seeds, you know, if we're going to use gardening metaphors, is that the thing about a seed is like our only job is to maintain the environment. And then mm-hmm. the thing just naturally happens. Oh, I like, love that. Like, that's what our souls are. Like they will naturally blossom if you are able to keep the environment correct. And by mm-hmm. that, I mean your head, your body, and the things you interact with. Yeah. And, and, that's, you know. and I find that to be sometimes the only thing you can do uh, simply because there is so much, there is so much arrayed around us that is just, you know, kind of pushing against like trying to keep the seeds from blooming whatever whatever you do like and and even there's so much of the church that is like arrayed against that and is is allied with capitalism is allied with hustle culture is allied with mm-hmm. with this idea that if you just give it's enough, not good soil you know, yeah, yeah it's not good like, soil um and, and it, it's interesting because there was a, there was a certain person named jesus that talked about good soil and talked mm-hmm. about making things grow my um, mind and it's just it feels like the church is like here. Why don't we throw some rocks around that and just let's see if it'll, let's see if it'll grow. Let's, let's see if that's going to grow anything. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, and if you grow and gravel, those... that means you're tough enough. Like, <laughs> yeah. So we're going to try to toughen you up. It's like no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Like no, nah, like this work is about making soft the soil of our hearts. Mm. Like, like that's like that is what we're like. At least that's what I'm aiming to do. The thing that is because like that's what that's how any of this stuff is going to take roots is like i need to learn that this is not about white knuckling it it is not about pushing harder it is not about learning another thing it is about learning to let go Mm. of everything like like who do you think like who are you before all the things that you think you are before your gender before your job before your trauma who are you that's the person that we're trying to get to know and get back to. Well, and I love they're there. I love this quote when I was a kid, it meant so much to me. And I think it continues to mean a lot to me. The idea of like flowers don't look at other flowers, they just bloom. They are their own kind of flower. And mm-hmm. uh, you know They're not worried about like the carnation is not worried about the rose. No. It's the like, rose is not worried about the bird of paradise, and the bird of paradise is not worried about the fern. No, they are just doing their thing. And I think that, and beautiful. Like the tree outside our window. Like, I got three different ferns sitting in the same pot. They don't give a fuck. Like, the soil's dope. Ugh. Yeah. I think that's the, to me, the work is your work to do. And it's something that's already innately in you. Blooming is like, to me, it's almost like taking everything away so that you can. Get, yeah. It's a it's return. Like what's causing you, what, yeah, what's causing you to not, and that's the other thing. It's just like, you got to recognize, like, through like through the process of practicing peace and what brings you peace and what brings you back into the presence of your right mind, you're going to notice then reflexively, what are the things that are knocking me off my peace? What are the things that are like no longer tolerable because I now know how good it feels to feel good. I know how far my pleasure can go to quote Audre Lorde, uses of the erotic. And in deference to knowing how good I can feel in respect for my body and who I am, I can demand no less of myself. Hmm. And that's the thing, like on that level, I'm committed to that level with my body, Mm. to that level of pleasure, joy, and more than anything, peace. Because if I got peace, I can do anything. It's interesting because I think some of our listeners who grew up and, and, and myself, I, 
you know, this more evangelical setting, especially when we were going through puberty or whatever, the word pleasure really bothers us. It was seen as oh, the yeah, thing that we were just sort of almost fight against, right? Yeah. So same thing with erotic. Erotic is purely about, Ooh. yeah, purely about penis and vagina and ejaculation. Right. And that's not what you, I mean, that's part of what pleasure is, but that's not the totality of pleasure. And when we make pleasure just that. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. the thing. This is where it gets really juicy for me. For me, like pleasure is like the experiences of pleasure. That is an experience of, that is the experience of God. Mm. Like not just the orgasm, but like, but including the orgasm for sure. But, you know, when was the last time you ate something that was so fucking delicious and you're like, oh my God, it's so mm-hmm. good. Yeah. <laughs> or when you saw your niece or nephew or child do something and you were just so fucking proud of them and you just like cried a little bit. Or, you know, you, you went to the protest and you were moved, you felt the spirit of God for the first time in a long time. Come, I know somebody out there knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You, um, you know, you end up, you know, being a queer, like, person who swears you're not a Christian presiding over Eucharist at a fucking be- theology beer camp. Oh my and gosh, sudden, and mm-hmm. causing me I, to lose my mind. Sudden, all of a sudden, I am the disciple of Christ. Yeah. I am. Yeah. It's all these different moments where it's like, or sunrises, or the still breath, or like looking at a tree and just being like, wow, it's fucking beautiful. Seeing, you know, nature do its thing. And like, even I would say like even, when we're consciously yeah. holding ourselves through our pain, mm-hmm. like the compassion we have for us, that is the experience of God. And so for me, you know, this is very process theology in some ways, at least Mason would tell me that. <laughs> but like that for me, if that's, that is an experience of God. Everything becomes an echo for the voice for God if you can perceive it the right way. And by perceive it the right way, I mean just it's a way you could perceive it. It's <laughs> not the right way. Yeah. But it's the way that makes me really fucking happy. And th- it's the way that makes me, you know, I'm just like, and on top of that, like, we can experience it in like a breath. And that breath can take us right back to love is with me everywhere I go. You know, it's like, and also when we're breathing, like we can talk about the somatics and all that other delicious bullshit too. And talk about how like meditation, like, you know, scientifically is proven to blah, 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 blah. And the thing is, I don't, we don't need to, I don't need to tell you all that. And I don't need to tell anybody listening that the thing about it is it's like, test it. What if like, Mm -hmm. that's the thing is like, I feel like, you know, yes, I'm on my medication. And yes, but the thing about it is like, if we are going to resist in the way that we need to in mm-hmm. the age, the close age to that is here, we are going to have to figure out how we're going to sustain ourselves for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And this is honestly, like, I don't mean to get like, you know, uh, I don't mean to be like, what's the word? A fear monger? Yeah. I don't mean to like, Voice of doom. Yeah. I'm not trying to be a doom and gloom. I'm saying just like, we're in Babylon, baby. It is. It's a super mm-hmm. rough time. It is. I was just talking to my parents today. It's such a rough time to be alive. And I'm, and people have been like, it was rough to be alive during World War II. I get it. Yeah. Let's, let's not do the struggle <laughs> competition. The- I'm just like, it's, it's hard to be alive right now. It's just mm-hmm. like, so what are you willing to do to take care of yourself? Yeah. yeah. Like last That's century really was- what this comes back to. Yeah, last century was the fuck around century, and we get to live now in the find, find out, out century. <laughs> um, I really didn't think I was in the find out. I thought we were still I mean, in the fuck around. Yeah, I, I was. Ho- we I wish. Around. I wish we were. I wish we were. But no, we 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 find ourselves in the finding out. Um, it's like, oh yeah, the climate disasters. You know, that's going to be in like twenty one hundred or something. No, no, and, no. Here now. And and but and. and, and and there can be a certain amount of despair that comes with that, which is absolutely fair. There's a certain amount of anger that comes with leaving faith. There's a certain amount of like, there's, there's some heavy emotions here. And I think finding practices, finding books like yours, finding resources like yours to do like, how do we, how do we now move through it is, and how do we address it in a healthy way? How do we rediscover who we always were? And I find that that's to me that's 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 why we do this podcast that's why we do the work that we do is to to start leaving those little breadcrumbs to find people back to wherever 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 the hell we came from this book i don't even think is is a map 
like mm-hmm. from like the the 10th chapter of the book is on like this is what you do step by step if you want to get this in your bones a living mm-hmm. practice like, for me i am sick and tired of being sick and tired and i'm sick and tired of all my friends being sick and tired i'm ready for us to experience joy again i'm ready for us to be able to like show up for the protest and then also be able to go to brunch yeah you know mm-hmm. i like cuz like the, like i'm just i'm convinced that is time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's time for us to actually find each other. It's time for us to start taking our, taking, uh, what am I trying to say? Like taking ourselves seriously, if you will. Mm. You know, what we're doing out Consider here. Consider ourselves, I think. Yeah. Say more. I mean, yeah. the idea of like actually think about what is it that I'm doing here in this world? Like taking ourselves seriously means regarding kind of like, oh, like what what is what is my actions in this world doing? What is my dharma? <laughs> there you go. What which means what am I here to do? Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. the thing about it is is like when you are at peace with yourself, you know, like the dharma what what uh, the Gita says is that the dharma just shows itself to you, meaning just like it becomes obvious what to do next. Mm. Rather than thinking what do I do what do I do? If you don't know what to do, get quiet. I be quiet. Love that, Kevin. Mm-hmm. And like that's you'd be you'd be amazed if you just. Yeah. <laughs> I could go on. Well, we are so glad that you joined us. We are so glad yeah. this book exists. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how people can get a hold of it? I would say, can you give one tip? But I think your one tip of just five minutes a day is like, guys, if you didn't listen to anything else, mm-hmm. please listen to that. Uh, yeah, but- and if you want to. Um, no, I'll, I'll I'll plug something in a second. No, I was going to say, can you tell us now where they can, can they pre-order the oh, book? Yeah. When is it coming out? Yes. What Makes You Bloom, Cultivating a Practice for Connecting with Your Divine Self is everywhere January 9th, 2024 from Broadleaf Books. And you can get it at thekevingarcia.com slash bloom. And I'm going to have, um, you can purchase, like purchase an autographed book from me, from my website starting like probably in a week so just be on the lookout for that if you want to buy it directly from me two if you are anywhere in the atlanta region area and you want to come to sister louisa's church of the living room and ping pong emporium don't worry it's a bar Um, (laughs) it's so good i'm hosting a release party and Derek webb is coming to play it that's that's amazing i love this i love it so much (laughs) when is that when i on January 9th, the day everything comes out. So, so yeah, uh, everything's at thekevingarcia.com. You can follow me across the web at thekevingarcia. The podcast is called A Tiny Revolution. Uh, I think that is everything. But- oh, so uh, I am starting. There is actually, I'm teaching a 21-day live living practice workshop. So if you're somebody out there who, A, wants to get like, into some juicy stuff like some of the concepts and also like do it every day for 21 days with me you can go to my instagram my website find out sign up it's only going to be 99 dollars, but there's only going to be i think 150 spots okay so like and that's like it could be amazing for you and there will be replays available so you don't have to be there live um buy my book Yay! <laughs> I have to pay my bills. <laughs> and also, if you are um, somebody out there and you're, I do. Oh fuck! I really do have to pay my taxes. But also, like, if you're somebody <laughs> out there and you're interested in possibly working one to one with me, you can reach out. I've got a form on my website. That's it. That's me. That's lovely. Thank you so much <laughs> for joining us. Did you just say that? Oh. That's it. That's yeah, me. I That's did. Kevin G. I rhymed. I love it. I rhymed, especially because like Mean Girls, the musical, the movie is coming out. So it's like, I mean. How can you not? Like, can, can we make nothing new in this world? No. Can we complain for 15 minutes on this podcast about <laughs> pop culture? I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. That's the only things that are doing well. Well, the new um, uh, Inside Out looks good, though. It has, a, it has anxiety. Oh, there's a new Inside Out movie? Mm-hmm. And uh, the, new character, yes. the new character is anxiety. Anxiety. Is Which... there a PTSD character? <laughs> I, I, that's, that's when she's older. She'll be, you know... <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, Thanks, um, guys. Good night, everyone. I love you. We love you. you. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you are enjoying the conversations you hear on RevCovery, you can continue the conversation with us and many more incredible people in the RevCovery room on Discord. To access our Discord, please join our Patreon to become part of the RevCovery room community. You can join for as little as $4 a month, and this helps us produce the show, as well as gives you access to the community resources. Check it out at www.patreon.com revcovery. We know that not everyone is able to financially support the show, but there are lots of ways to support us, including giving us a five-star review wherever you're listening right now. And make sure to like and subscribe across all social media. Revcovery Room is our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook handle, so you can find us there to keep the conversation going. Now on to some final thoughts and this week's poem. Friends, thanks for sticking around for the end for the quote, song lyric, and poem time, or poem time, really. Uh, usually this is a time where we just share um, some sort of quote or something that this uh, this conversation reminded us of. And of course, from this conversation, I thought about Rumi. I've done a lot of reading of Rumi. My very first church I worked at, one of the uh, guys that went to the church gifted me with a, a book of Rumi's poems and so and writings. So this is from that. Uh, this is Rumi. You were born with potential. You were born with goodness and trust. You were born with ideals and dreams. You were born with greatness. You were born with wings. You are not meant for crawling, so don't. You have wings, learn to use them and fly. I think the conversation with Kevin made me think about how often uh, we have been told that we don't have wings. We have been told that, in fact, in our very beginning is some sort of um, debauchery or we're, we're born sinful. And so we uh, kind of miss out on the goodness that we're born with. And so I love this idea of um, kind of Kevin's writings reminding us that we're returning to what we already were. So thank you again. Uh, thanks so much for always coming and being part of this community. We appreciate you so much. So have an incredible week, friends. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.